Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Jeff Rimmer of Bally Sports Ohio is with us. Rim, say hello to the fine folks. Always good to talk to Blue Jacket fans, fifth line, the loyal Blue Jacket following, for sure. Yes, they're all here. Try to reach them as many ways as possible. Uh, Blue Jackets, yeah, playing pretty well, hanging around, but not quite getting the results that they want. We'll get to that. We'll get to the trade deadline, which is now less than two weeks away. Uh, we've got a little bit of news with Justin Danforth signing an extension. Um, but, Rims, I want to start with you. You were part of the production, the MC, the master of ceremonies, at Rick Nash's jersey retirement ceremony on Saturday. It was, I thought, very well done. Congrats to you for pulling it off. And tell us what it was like down there at ICE level you've done these things before what was unique about this what was special what will you take with you from the memory of this great night well it's the first time that i've uh, emceed a uh, banner raising and uh, one that was certainly well deserved in the name of rick nash uh i enjoyed my my night immensely uh obviously uh having an opportunity to uh, emcee the proceedings having uh, the likes of rick nash honored people like hen hitchcock Ken coming back, uh, having Doug McLean return to Columbus in the ovation, uh, which I thought was pretty positive. And I can tell you without the fear of contradiction that uh, it's probably the most nervous that Doug McLean has been in his life. And as you know, Aaron, and as I know, he's never been strange to a microphone Correct. But let me tell you, he was very, very nervous. And uh, Hitch came to me before and said, Rims, is it okay if I turn the microphone around and address Rick face to face? I said, by yeah. all means. And uh, for me, Aaron Johnson stole the show. His shots at, uh, at Hitch were spectacular, uh, simply outstanding. It was yes. just a great night. And then to listen to the sincere thoughts of Rick Nash, who deservedly becomes the first Blue Jacket to have his uh, jersey number retired. It was just a phenomenal night, uh, sellout crowd, uh, highest attendance. And that's saying something because the Jackets have had some great crowds for their playoff games. But uh, Rick Nash brought more people into nationwide Saturday night that, uh, that have ever been there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was so... The way that that it came off, and I think this this gets into Doug a little bit too, but also Nash. Um, you know, when when he was traded from the organization, there were some hard feelings, as there often are. Very few players stay in one place the whole time anymore. I felt like that's that stuff dissipated over the last few years, especially when Rick came back to the to the franchise, and and I didn't think there'd be any hesitation from Blue Jackets fans to put their arms around him. But I know I know Rick was was didn't want to talk or think about that, but it was sort of in the back of his mind how how is this going to go with some members of the fan base? Maybe Doug was feeling the same way. Is that is, is that why Doug was so nervous? You think the reception he was going to get cuz it was overwhelmingly positive. Oh, it was. And, and he was I think uh, in part concerned about it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
He wanted to say the right things. Rick Nash, I can tell you without uh, 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 fear of uh, contradiction that uh, Rick was his favorite player. Yeah, and, he said as much. And and, and the thing that uh, that Doug wanted to do was come off as sincere, which he did. Uh, I took a shot at him at uh, the <clears throat> at the end of his uh, little speech because just to show how much admiration he had for, for Rick Nash. And I didn't say this, but what I did say, it's the first time that he hasn't injected himself into a conversation. He didn't Crazy. talk about himself right. and that's right. a first. Yeah. So yeah. And uh, he's been uh, needling me since, but I said, Doug, facts are facts. And you didn't talk about yourself. And that's the yeah. first for me. Well, the Canadian uh, perspective is that of course, Doug McLean's going to do this. It's an opportunity to talk about Rick Nash because he gets he gets uh, crap up there uh, for talking. They think too often about Rick Nash. Um, I I love the thing. I love the idea of Hitch and and uh, Doug coming back. And I love the fact that Nash was totally into that as well. I believe it was the brainchild of of VP of Communications Todd Chirac, but Rick Nash was fully on board with it, and and he wanted to sort of build a bridge to from today there's some new fans uh, well let me say this who probably need to know about doug mcclain and, and ken hitchcock well i i will say this and and not telling any tales out of school but about a yeah. week or two before the event i was in rick nash's office and we were just kind of talking and this is rick and this is coming from the heart and rick said to me he did not understand why there was so much disdain for for Doug McLean. People forgot or didn't realize just how much he did for the franchise. People, and this is Rick, people didn't understand that, and you certainly will recall that uh, he was hired two years before the team ever played a game. Mm -hmm. He started the franchise the franchise from paper clips and and pencils and and built the organization. He had a big hand in the arena and the development and construction of the arena. And uh, to Columbus's uh, efforts, our arena, Nationwide Arena, today, 20-plus years after it was first constructed, is still a model arena in the National Hockey League when you look around and see how many new arenas have been built and how they've tried to take some of the best out of Nationwide Arena and put it into their own facilities. So yeah, uh, Rick wanted Doug there. Uh, he has terrific admiration for him. And you heard his sincere comments about the former general manager, president, and uh, part-time coach. Yeah, yeah. Now, Doug, Doug and I have had our moments as has anyone who's covered Doug, but it was it was good to see him over the weekend and all of that stuff can go wherever the hell it needs to go. Um, I, I think it. he needs to be, I will say it publicly, he needs to be a guest on this podcast. <laughs> and you, and you can use and you can use my suggestion, my name for it. I think you need to call Doug or text him and say, Tell him your rims. That it you could go either way. Up. What's that? It could go either way. Well, on, a, could, on, a, but... on a podcast, I might just throw a brulee comment out there or a Ray Whitney comment. <laughs> and, and poor Danielle would have to hit the five-second delay button the whole way through. <laughs> Well, it would be great, great podcasting. It and would. I want to hear it. And, and I want to hear it. And we can cuss on here, so maybe she would need the button after all. Um, <laughs> Blue Jackets have played 
you know, they're playing their asses off. This is a team with limitations. Rims, you know that. I know that. The people listening to this know that. Um, the games have ramped up across this league here the last, uh, for sure, couple of weeks. And for the most part, they've hung in there. They're they're good enough right now just to get their hearts broken, though, it seems. Down 3-0 to, to Toronto after an awful first period. The first period certainly looked like December and February for them. Um, but they roared back. 3-3, scared the hell out of Toronto. They end up losing 5-3. They are 1-3-2 and two in their last six games. And uh, it's been a struggle. And and what are you seeing from this team? What I worry a little bit about them getting, you know, they're losing their spirit a little bit here because they're playing well enough to be rewarded, hard enough to be rewarded, certainly. Uh, but it's not coming. And sometimes that can the air can come out of the balloon after a while. You know, I think, and you and I have had many conversations about this prior to the start of the season, during the season, and, and certainly recently. I still believe this team has exceeded expectations, number one. Uh, I don't see any quit in this team. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be lulls. For me, I don't understand why the slow starts, and we've seen several of those in recent uh, games where they're slow to start. Yeah. But I, I will say talking to the players and being around the players, there's no quit in this team. And despite – a lot of people wanting to see them not necessarily tank, but finish near the bottom and have two quality first round picks. I don't see that happening based on the fact that the guys on the ice, the line A's, the Jenners, the Nyquist, the Crawley. I mean, they want to win. And the coaching staff, they're not interested in a draft pick. They want this team to win now, and I don't see this team quitting in any stretch of the imagination. They've had a a rough go, as you point out, one win in six games. But look at the competition, some of the best in the National Hockey League. And I I expect this team, and, and things don't get any easier here. They've got a couple of games left with Boston. We've got a California trip. We've got a couple of games left with Pittsburgh. The New York Islanders, I'm in Long Island. Presently, we play them tomorrow night. Uh, they've had a disappointing season fighting COVID and injuries, et cetera. But, you know, they're going to put up. It's a division game, and they're going to put up uh, their best effort tomorrow night. But the Jackets are going to be there, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And – you know, you talked about the slow starts. Certainly the other night was a slow start, but there, there have been a f- recent games. Uh, the LA game was this way, where Elvis had to be – Elvis was really, really good earlier. That could have gotten out of hand too. But on the flip side of that, Elvis, during games, he, I don't think he's been really that sharp. Maybe no, he hasn't. Say, maybe you could say all season, where his statistically this has been his worst season yet. Um, but the last five or six, he's played all of them, five, last five starts. Save percentage under 90%, um, one, two, and two. He's letting in a rough one, at least one rough one a night. And and in that Kings game, that was demoralizing. I agree. I agree. He has not been uh, the Elvis that uh, we've come accustomed to seeing. Uh, he has uh, given up bad goals. The other night against Toronto, no exception. Game against Boston, similarly, I thought uh, he'd like to have one or two of those back 
against the Kings. Yeah. Preceding that Pittsburgh. Um, he's not, and, and, and I, I can't put a, a finger on it. Uh, I, I don't see him anywhere near uh, as sharp as he can be. Yeah. And it doesn't all fall on Elvis. I mean, some of that is a responsibility. The guys uh, in front of them, uh, the blue line in particular. And yeah, for sure. Even some forwards coming back and helping out. But, uh, you know, we've seen the team have to play, what, four games without uh, Warinsky. Uh, uh, Gavrikov, uh, his game has been exceptional, although he's had a couple of, of off nights. And then you look in terms of, of, of injuries to Boquist and Bean, guys that yep. uh, are in their top six. So it's been a collective effort. But, uh, no, we've not seen the best of Elvis. I, I really want to see Corpus Allo. And I've talked to a lot of people around the league, as you know. And um, I, I think uh, Corpus Allo is getting a bad rap here. He's close to unrestricted free agency. I think going into the season – uh, prior to his uh, injuries and health uh, issues, first with uh, uh, the sickness and, and then COVID, getting COVID himself, I think it's taken its toll on him. The other thing, I don't think in fairness, to, and, and I've told people this, I don't think in fairness to uh, Corpus Salo, playing every 10 days to two weeks is not going to bring the best out of him. He's a better goaltender than what we've seen from uh, Corpus Salo this season. And, and I'm only hoping that uh, – and I, I actually thought for the Toronto game that uh, we were going to see a goaltending change after one period. Uh, yeah. In fact, the people I was sitting with, we didn't televise that game. The folks I was sitting with, I said, uh, I would not be surprised to see Corpus Allo come out uh, from the runway and be the starting goaltender for period two. It didn't happen. I know that uh, guys like yourself asked uh, – uh, uh, Brad Larson, uh, did he contemplate a goaltending change? But I would have liked to have seen Corpus Allo get go on in relief and then get an opportunity to play perhaps here against the Islanders. The Jackets are looking at back-to-back games again. Yeah. And uh, and I think Corpus Allo is a much better goaltender than he's being given credit for uh, outside of Columbus as, as we sit here today. Yeah, now he's going to get one of these games. I just don't know if it's the Islanders game or the Wild game. Blue Jackets play the Islanders on Thursday. In Long Island, home to Minnesota on on uh, Friday, uh, he'll be back for one of these games. But you're right; it's nice to sort of dip your toe in the water a little bit sometimes before you when you haven't played in as long as he's as he's gone. I think he's missed the entire. I think the last time he's played was January 30th, so he has been out quite a while. Um, his numbers just even when he got somewhat regular duty this year with Elvis um, injured, the I. People might have to go with with reputation on him or a belief that in there is still a good goaltender because his performances this year and really last year, maybe last year is an anomaly in a lot of people's minds with the way that this league operated. The, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna sell a GM on taking him because of his numbers these this last year and a half. No, it's no, gonna have to be a memory on right. what people see uh, from his performance, especially in the bubble. That was such a marquee game for him. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Rams, you mentioned the Boston game, and that's, of course, when Nash's his sweater was retired. But I wanted to touch on that one for a little bit because it was a big game for Nick Foligno coming back to town and a big game for Sean Corrali playing his old mates uh, from the Bruins. And I'll, I'll admit, at first when they announced when Nash's retirement, uh, jersey retirement was going to be, I was a little taken aback because that seems such an odd place to put it with it's also being Felino's return. I kind of felt like they should both stand on their own. And then having been in the building Saturday to witness that, Nash pregame, uh, Felino certainly early in the game and kind of throughout, I have to say I, I was wrong and it felt right. Um, and I wonder what your thoughts were on that. It was great to have Felino back in the building. So emotional that guy is, and therefore the fans watching him were that that was there were tissues coming out before the game in the first period for people. Um, you don't expect to go to a hockey game and cry a couple times, but I saw people reaching asking their wives for per, for uh, for tissues um, up there in the in the the uh, the high reaches where we sit. I liked it all together in one night. And I wondered what your, what your thoughts uh, having witnessed it as well were. Uh, it was a memorable night and uh, it was terrific. And, and yeah, I think Felino added to it. Um, I thought, I thought, and you'll, you'll start laughing when I say this, I thought Felino tried to help the blue jackets there late in the game. He got a point penalty. Yeah. He took that hooking call. And of course he had to, uh, own up to it after the game, but fact of the matter is, I had a nice visit with Nick uh, both before and after the game, and there's nothing that he wants more than to uh, move back and uh, live right. in Columbus post uh, post playing career. And uh, to that end, he told me the construction starting on his new home. They're going to be digging in the ground here in the in the days and the weeks to come. He also would like to work for this organization. My mm -hmm. broadcast partner, Jody Shelley's uh, alumni is going to keep on growing. It's terrific to see Blue Jacket players, former players, moving back to the city. But uh, back to, uh, not to digress here, uh, that night was special. How many times when there's been a video of a player going back, not only here in Columbus, but around the National Hockey League, to yeah. actually skate around the ice and wave to the crowd in, in the far reaches of the arena. But that just goes to show the love, sincere love, Nick has for the city, for the fans, and for this organization. Well, he, he said he, wanted, he doesn't like these things any more than Nash did. Um, and he was standing by the bench, and the guys on the bench were like, no, 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 go out there. Get out there. Like there was Bergeron, I assume, maybe Marchand were, were basically pushing him out uh, to go take that lap. And it just seems so appropriate. Um, he's living in the north end of Boston, which I'm a little jealous about because of all the great Italian restaurants there. But this is the ultimate endorsement. If you're a local pizza chain, Nick Felino, proud Italian, walking out of the building with a large from Mikey's Midnight... Mikey's late night slice uh, pizza. And now that is, if I'm them, I'm making a phone call and getting, I'm getting Folino on my, I'm getting him on my next commercial when he moves back to town. 
Um, here's a tough question for you, Rimmer, and I promise you there wouldn't be any that you didn't need a script beforehand. You never need a script. Has 71 done enough? 61's up. Where are you at on 71? And you got to be careful about these things. I'll, I'll, I'll make it a little bit easier for you. You can't just hang sweaters up from people you like. But if Felino comes back to this organization, do you think 71 deserves to hang in Nationwide Arena 2? Longest serving captain of the team. That's right. Uh, his, accomplishments, his accomplishments don't uh, necessarily come close to uh, that of, uh, of Rick Nash. That's an interesting question. Let me throw it back at you. Yeah. As you know, Wednesdays, uh, I make a visit on 97.1, the mm-hmm. fan with uh, name dropping with Jeff Rimmer. Yep. And the boys actually today, well, we have the uh, an idea on who is next. This is them speaking, Rick Ardotti oh. and T-Ball. Okay. Sure. They've got Bobrovsky being the next player mm. yeah. to hang from the rafters. And uh, I didn't dismiss it out of hand, but I guess I came close to it. I don't think the way the marriage ended, and uh, uh, again, they tried to throw up the while Rick Nash left, but it was a different situation. I, I, yeah, he won two Vezina trophies, but I'm still not convinced as I sit here tonight, not that it's my decision, that Bobrovsky will be the next player whose jersey will be retired, if ever. Yeah, I'm not convinced that he's next. I think it's a hell of an argument, though. And I think, I think like Rick Nash, and this isn't to personalize this, but I think he may need a different front office as well. In other words, it, it part of what made it so easy for this team now to say, Rick Nash, of course, uh, boom, is you brought a whole new front office in. J.D. and Yarmo were not here when, when Rick was, was here before he was traded to New York. But I will say, let me interject here. Yeah, yeah. I will say this, and people know, and I've said it publicly. If Yarmo and John Davidson were here, Rick Nash never would have left Columbus. I really believe that. Well, I, I think that's a that's a messy argument, and I'm not well, I'm not sure that I agree. Well, with, you wouldn't agree. I I, I know well, how I don't you know. feel about I know I how you feel about Scott Housen. No, no, and, I love I love Scott Housen. I can admit okay, that. I know you do. And I just and I just I think there was a disconnect between the general manager and and Rick Nash and his family. In fact, I know that is the case. Yeah, and and I believe that. You know, um, there were certain things that were said to Rick that were going to happen that didn't transpire. And I think that led to uh, the reason why he uh, wanted to be traded and asked yeah. for trade. And well, I think and, and and I really believe in my heart of hearts that uh, had this present management group been here, that Rick Nash may not have ever left. I think the biggest dent in, in your argument, though, is that this management group has been here for some really prominent players leaving the organization. In in not the the specifics have changed, but in a similar way. Well, that Nash. But wait, do you want to break it down again? I I respectfully disagree. How can you Bobrovsky disagree with that? Left, Bobrovsky left because the team simply wouldn't pay him ten and a half million dollars to make him the highest paid goaltender alongside Carey Price. Okay, now do Panarin. I became I became very very close to Artemi Panarin. Yeah. In fact, I still 
talk and FaceTime with him and text with him. And his mind was made up the day that he was traded to the Blue Jackets by Stan Bowman, the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks. And it had absolutely nothing to do with Columbus as a city. His point was, yes, he wanted to play in a bigger market. But beyond that, beyond that, he loved playing for Chicago. And he said to me on a number of occasions, the next decision as to where he plays will be his and his alone. And that's his right. And, UFA. And, and when people were saying that he may go back to Chicago because of his friendship with Patrick Kane, he said to me, and I quote, and I quote, he said, me no go to Chicago unless Bowman fired. He wanted Stan Bowman fired. Of course, he eventually was, but he was already a member of the New York Rangers. And that is yeah. the honest truth. So who else do you want to throw? Who else do you want to throw out there that I'll argue with you? What I'm saying is they have there has you do not want to argue that there has been talent flight from the organization, whoever's fault that is. Yeah. It's very let's, rare Jeff for a Carter, great player to spend go, their entire organization. Oh, no, that let's, you're not gonna that's let's Jeff talk, Carter. Let's talk. Yeah, I'll talk Jeff Carter. Yeah. Uh, and again, another player that I spent a lot of time talking to. Pierre Luc uh, Dubois. You'll remember, you'll remember the day of the Pierre trade. Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah, okay. Well, Pierre Luc Dubois was. Hey, nobody will say it. I will. It was John Tortorella. No, it was that's John not, Tortorella. That, well, he he would tell you you're wrong. Anyways, who, this who is, would tell me I'm wrong? Pierre Luc Dubois would tell you. No, you're he wrong. yeah, well, because he would never admit it. But no, no, he would tell you that that's totally inaccurate. And in yeah, fact, well, it's not. John Tortorella and Pierre Luc Dubois have talked since that trade and have, re- have maintained a relationship even last season while he was in. Of Winnipeg. course, from a distance, from a distance. Well, whatever. Hey, 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 time so, feels all ruins. Here's what I'm saying. If you bring a whole new management group in and they evaluate Sergei Bobrovsky's time in Columbus, I think it's a, a different set of eyes could lead to a, a much different decision-making process. And then maybe that's how it should be done. The two Vezinas is a hell of an argument uh, for that because that, that puts you in rare air, yeah. obviously in Columbus, but throughout the league as well. Um, I think there are a couple of guys on this team now and they've got a long way to go yet, but the trajectory is right. Wierenski, Jenner, who could be in that Nash. We're talking 2030s. I'm not talking next weekend, next year, really even the next five, 10 years. Agreed. But in the future, I think Jenner, uh, forget his numbers. If he's here for 15, 16 years, captain for eight or nine of it, uh, and plays the way that he does, he's going to have a second 30-goal season this year. Wierenski... Is it already owns the the Blue Jackets uh, franchise record book for defensemen, and he's like 24 years old. Um, he goes in ahead of Jones, for sure in my book. Um, but I think I think it's an interesting discussion as to who could go in next. But I do think Bobrovsky needs a new set of eyes on this situation here. All right, fair. Um, I, I won't uh, argue with you, but it, the one thing on Jeff Carter. And you were yeah. there, and I remember as if it was yesterday, you and Michael A. Race walked into the hotel That's with right. me at the Marriott in Minnesota. downtown Minneapolis, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. You guys went to the front desk. I was summoned by Rick Curran, uh, Bobby Orr's partner, uh, who uh, was Jeff Carter's agent. And he just started, not at me, but up one side and down the other at Scott Housen for trading and acquiring Jeff Carter when he was told 
repeatedly, Carter would not come, would not report, and would never be a blue jacket. And it wasn't because of Columbus. It wasn't because of the Blue Jackets. These are all extenuating circumstances, but they need to be told. And the reason was that he was promised by Paul Holmgren, he being the agent and the player, when he signed his long-term contract, that he was not going to be traded. And the rumors were out, and, and he was told those rumors are not accurate. And then uh, Carter was traded. And it was instant, uh, unfortunate situation for the city of Columbus and the Blue Jackets as an organization. And, and yeah, it was an uncomfortable situation. Carter finally acquiesced. He came to Columbus with the promise they would move him. Eventually, they moved him for uh, Jack Johnson with a trade with Los Angeles. But he was promised by the Flyers organization that they were not going to deal him. Not to Columbus, not to anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you... Yeah, I, again, we don't need to go down this ancient history path, but but GMs. But it bothers me, Aaron. It bothers me that the the bad rap that Columbus has received and the Blue Jackets have received because it's totally inaccurate. There are extenuating circumstances with every move, and people need to stick up uh, for the city. And, and and obviously, the organization was trying to do the right thing. Yeah, but don't act like we haven't stuck up for this this city on this podcast. For by all means, this this team's check this team's past is what it is, um, and 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 yeah, I mean it's grown a ton. It is right there with with uh, it's it's so far ahead of where where you would expect it to be at this stage of of its development as a as a hockey market. The fans are unrivaled. We don't need to get into all this crap. Market. Jeff Carter still, you know, you blame Scott House and all you want. I still blame Jeff Carter for acting like a total shithead. In his year that he was here, and that's that that's no one's fault but Jeff Carter. He was fine when he became an L.A. King, uh, so yeah, he was traded yeah. there as well. That's not Philadelphia. Um, yeah, the the Flyers decided they were going to blow that up because they didn't like the way those two guys operated in Philadelphia. Um, and I don't know how you know. Again, we don't need to get into this uh, news of the week um, or the last couple of days, anyways. Rims Justin Danforth has signed a two year extension. This is a hell of a story. This is a guy who last year when they Blue Jackets signed him, it was a who. This was a kid that had spent a lot of time in the East Coast Hockey League. He had gone over to Europe, put up some big numbers in Finland and in the KHL. Um, He has really endeared himself to Brad Larson. He gets a two-year NHL extension, a one-way contract. Um, This guy, you know, others have mentioned – uh, Nathan Gerby, I'll mention Derek McKenzie. He's that kind of player. I think for two years, under a million bucks on your fourth line. This guy's shown a little offensive pop too. I like the deal. This is not going to push any kids that deserve to play in the NHL, the Kent Johnsons, the Kirill Marchenkos, those, those kids that are coming. This is not going to keep them from playing. This is a fourth line guy maybe a third-line guy in the right situation, but almost certainly a fourth-line guy. Those guys are top six, top nine. This seems like a really, really good price for a, a surprisingly good and impactful player uh, that can stick around now for a couple of years. No, I think it's a, a great signing. I think he has been a pleasant surprise, um, although I was given a bit of a uh, scouting report by Gerard Gallant, former Blue Jackets coach, now in New York, who had him at the uh, World Championships with Canada 
last spring, and he said, the guy's a legitimate third or fourth line player, great on faceoffs. We haven't had a chance to see that based on the season, but he can certainly slide into the center spot as well. He's got that versatility. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, it's a great signing, and uh, he has a chance to move up in the lineup from time to time and be an asset. He can play center, and uh, I love his grittiness. First on uh, in on the forecheck, we've seen uh, his play since really his call up and getting an opportunity to play for Brad Larson. And yeah, he's one of Brad Larson's favorites based on the way he performs. Do you see Derek McKenzie there? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I see a little bit there. I don't think uh, Derek was as, uh, as gritty or offered as much grit as this guy, but yeah, the same kind of player, small. Yeah. It didn't hit the NHL till they were 27, 28 years old. Right. To stick. No, no, I agree. And the kind of guy that never quite for, never quite forgets that either when they get here. Like they, the, the level of appreciation there never fades because it took them so long to get here. Derek Great. McKenzie, one of my favorites. And I love when oh. we, uh, we see the Panthers here or down in South Florida. And I get a chance to visit with him because he's one of my yeah. favorites for sure. Really good. Dude. And he'll be a head coach in this league, believe me. Yeah. At yeah, some I, point. Yeah, for sure. Um, Rims, anything to add here? No, I, uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, I, I think you and I should have our own uh, radio talk show together. I've said that to you for how many years now, about 17 or 18. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to agree. No, it's better when we don't. Exactly. I respectfully, yeah. uh, uh, feel that, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. I just don't necessarily agree with it. <laughs> I think we do. I think we do agree. We just have a different way of articulating it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't act like don't act like I don't love this city or don't think it's a great hockey market. Well, we both feel that way, and and we both get a little uh, upset when we hear people that uh, perhaps suggest the contrary. But well, I just think it's stupid. Well, there are a lot of dumb people out there yeah. beyond beyond Columbus that don't realize what a great city this is. And anybody that has come here and and laid roots there as a player uh, certainly looks up and says, wow, I never knew what this city had. And, and I can say that for people that have come to visit me over the years, friends and family from Canada and elsewhere in the U.S., and, and their eyes just pop open. And, and I was telling my wife just the other day as we were driving on 315, do you see the number of cranes? Going oh up and, and the yeah. construction all over, all over the city. It's it's terrific, and how the suburbs yeah. are growing, and uh, more subdivisions are being built. This this is what is it? I think we're in the top uh, ten or twelve cities now uh, in the country, and 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 population. And I yeah. think that's going to grow. The kids that graduate from OSU and the surrounding universities here in Ohio, they stay in Ohio. There's great days ahead for this uh, this state and, and and obviously for this hockey team and this this organization. And uh, I, I put the Blue Jackets organization up against any in the NHL. And I'm glad to see people like uh, Jarmo Kekalainen and, and, and the rest of uh, the front office. John Davidson's been around. People know who he is. But Jarmo's starting to get the recognition around the league that he richly deserves. Well, I always hit people with this. The city of Columbus, everybody knows Cincinnati and Cleveland. Columbus is bigger than city population. Exactly. Bigger than those, 
bigger than those two cities combined by 250,000 people. Like it's not even close. Um, the other thing, the other story I like to tell is when Toronto played here for the first time, I got phone calls from writers from Toronto saying, are there hotels to stay in downtown? Yeah. Like this was like, it, it's nothing against them. They just, the level of awareness, college football people from a sporting perspective knew this town. Um, they were blissfully unaware of this town. And then they got here and not only Yes, there are hotels downtown. There's a Tim Hortons here, and many of them, and people, that, that's when they were like, okay, hockey market. This is a hockey market. Yeah. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Jeff Rimmer, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Enjoy Long Island. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. I will. And uh, anytime you want to uh, debate an issue, uh, you have my number. Call me. I do. I'll see you at the rink and just start screaming at you. <laughs> Jeff Rimmer, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you again next week. Uh, thanks for listening to Front and Nationwide. Take care.